Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Man, we are pumped for today's conversation. And uh, we have a regular, uh, maybe our first regular back. When, you, when you've been on more than three times, uh, you are considered a regular. So we're excited about today's conversation. But before we get there, I want to remind you, here's what we do. Um, we bring you conversations every week. Um, conversations with, with leaders and uh, people around the church that we think you should know. And uh, people that encourage us, that inspire us. And so we want to let you in on these conversations. And so that's really what every week is about. Uh, We have some conversations with some great leaders, and uh, today is no exception. So our goal here at the Church Leadership Podcast is to equip leaders in the local church to be disciples and make disciples. And we believe today's conversation will do just that. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening, whether you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And now here's today's conversation. This week, Mark and I are thrilled to have our friend and, as Mark mentioned, a regular guest here on the podcast. As a matter of fact, if we ever had a uh, person that we would probably welcome in as a uh, as another host, co-host of the podcast, it might as well be Joel Mom. Uh, Joel, as many of you who probably followed our podcast are familiar with him, he is the founder of Summit Leaders. He is an adventurer. He's an author. He's a husband he's a dad he's a pastor he's uh man he's just a a renaissance man so he's got a lot going on and uh one of the things we enjoy about joel is he writes some fantastic books and he's got a few in the works we're going to get to talk about maybe some of that today but joel we are glad to have you back on the podcast yeah man i love being with you guys it's always a fun fun and funny conversation and hopefully insightful we'll see that's right it's usually all of those things uh, well, we, we want to start. We actually were talking before we hit record, and uh, as, as we often do, and we, we had a conversation about uh, staying in your lane because uh, really Andy brought up a, a recent example of, of someone who um, people look up to and respect but just wasn't staying in their lane and how we can get in trouble when we do that as leaders and as pastors. So, Joel, talk a little bit about uh, the dangers of not staying in your lane and why we should stay in our lane. Yeah. You know, Thomas Akempis, he, uh, in his famous book, the imitation of Christ, he says, um, every time a man leaves his cell, he comes back a little less a man. And you're like, what the heck does that mean? Um, I think what he's saying, you know, is anytime you leave your area of primary responsibility, you lose a little bit of your power and, you know, and a, and a monk, which Thomas Kempis was, uh, is, his his job is to pray and seek the Lord in his cell. And so when you leave that domain of responsibility, I think there's something powerful that uh, that we, we lose a little power. And I just see that a lot. And I think, um, you know, I, I remember I, I took Mark, Bob Goff, and I hate to name drop here, but Bob Goff and I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together. And uh, I'll never forget on the, on the, it's a long hike. It's like seven days, right? And there's not a whole lot to do but talk it, when you have breath to talk and you're like <gasps> some parts of it but uh we're climbing and i just remember we had this wild team like just a wild bunch of type a personalities and you know overdriven type personalities and we had all sorts of wild conversations about the nephilim and the pre-adamite race and the 
you know, the book of Enoch and politics. We got into politics and, and I'll never forget. We would be like, everybody be like, oh, I think this, and I think that. And, and, I, and we'd be like, what do you think, Bob? And he'd be like, wow, that's some great, interesting conversation. And he'd just keep hiking and he'd keep hiking and he'd keep hiking and he'd keep hiking. And man, I, I was, that stood out to me because this dude, Bob has had a lot of influence. Um, I mean, he's spoken to presidents, he's spoken to governor, world leaders, but he also speaks to all denominations. And his message is love like Jesus did. And he stays in his lane, man. And he's a lawyer. He's a ferocious lawyer. Like you don't mess with him when he comes to defending people that are that need it. Uh, so he's clearly got some opinions. But what stood out to me is he stays in his lane and he gets to influence so many people because he stays in his lane with his message. And that's one of the things I, I work with a lot of pastors in my coaching program, just saying, hey, figure out your primary message and stick with that. And you're like, my primary message is the whole counsel of God. And I'm like, well, get over yourself. Like, who knows the whole counsel of God? Like, honestly, do you really, you can't even figure out your kids. How do you know the whole counsel of God? But have some humility, man. But figure out what is the specific thing you're passionate about and that, that in, in, in relationship to God's grace, his work in your life, the specific message. And I think when you stay in that lane, you become a unique expression of his redemption in the world. You become... Christ's ambassador ministering that reconciliation. And I just see so many pastors and the real challenge is when you get in a world of social media, you get some stuff maybe that goes viral for a certain topic. And then all of a sudden people are looking to you like, well, what do you think about this pastor? What do you think about that? And you gotta be, you gotta just zip it. If it's not, <laughs> not on track with your primary message, cause you can get in a lot of trouble. Um, and, and, you know, praise kind of reveals what's already in your heart anyways. So if your praise comes and you find yourself humbly accepting it, there's maybe a little more humility than you think. Um, but oftentimes what it leads to is like, oh, people really value what I've got to say. And you start thinking, you know, some about everything and yet don't. So <laughs> that's just my, I, obviously I don't have a strong opinion about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not yeah. passionate about uh, that at all. Maybe we'll have some time later on to tell us how you really feel about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey, that's what we love about this podcast. Uh, Mark and I are not the center of attention, the spotlight's on us. We love to share the stories of leaders in the local church and people who God are using to stay in their lane and do what God's called them to do. I mean, it's it's authors and speakers and pastors that you may know of, but it may be a bivocational pastor in a small rural church that we have befriended and God has encouraged us through their ministry to just keep plugging along and be faithful and not try to do everything and not try to have an opinion on everything, but just do what God has called them to do. So, and we love that about you. I mean, I mentioned in the intro, you were involved in a lot of things and you're a busy guy, but we love the fact that you feel like one of the things God has called you to do is write books and help leaders uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. And you have a book, one of a few books that's coming out, but one of the ones we wanted to talk about I'll let you tell everybody about it, but it, it is very interesting to Mark and I already as, as the way you've introduced it to us. But I think as people are watching or listening to the podcast, it will encourage them and challenge them a little bit uh, to, to follow Christ faithfully, to stay in their lane, to, you know, be a better leader in the local church. So tell us a little bit about this one particular book we've been talking about. Yeah. So before I dump that, can I segue into something? Because I talked about using your primary message and I've kind of prayed through, sought this through, and I've realized that my primary message is two things. It's um, per perspective and meaning. So mm -hmm. my two mottos are this, stop unnecessary suffering in your life 
and you stop unnecessary suffering through wisdom. You use God's wisdom. Um, and so wisdom is one of the messages. And, and I, I love the wisdom books. I mean, my favorite book is Ecclesiastes. Like, what's wrong with me, right? But Proverbs is I, good, too. Proverbs is amazing, too. We, you know, I had to read that growing up every day. We had to read the chapter that coincided with the date. And so a, a lot of Proverbs, they'll sometimes pop out when I don't even, not even thinking about it, right? But the other one is perspective. So you stop unnecessary suffering and you find meaning in the necessary suffering. In Acts, it says, through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. There's some suffering you just aren't going to get around because God uses suffering to get us where he wants us to go. We rejoice in our suffering for, you know, the suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. So those are my two messages, like, right, wisdom and then perspective and meaning, right, finding meaning and perspective in the middle of suffering. That said, every book I write, I, I make sure it falls in line with that. Every podcast I record, I make sure it falls in line with that. And I think that's important for pastors. If you're feeling like you've caught, got a message to share, nail down what that is and make sure that everything is filtered through that. And, you, you know, when you, it's weird. Uh, I think, oh, who was it? Um, a famous author, he said, when forced to work within a strict f- framework, the mind is taxed to its utmost and capable of its greatest creations. When given total liberty, the work is likely to sprawl. He's basically saying when you stay within your lane and milk that for all it's worth, that's when you create the greatest work that God has for you. Uh, and I think that's true. When we start trying to cover everything, you, you hit no one. So That is so true. I, before you even get to the book, I mean, I, I, I'll just, I mean, I resonate with that. I, I feel like um, I feel like God's vision for my life and specific purpose. Once I really realized what that was, um, I think God, you know, God can use anybody anytime, but, but he, I really began to see God work around me and in people around me after I kind of was made aware of that. It's so true. Um, uh, you know, we have a, we have a saying around here all the time, less is more. And if you, if you stop trying to do everything and fix every problem and solve every issue, it's amazing what God can do when you begin to focus. So I agree with that. Yeah. So Eugene Peterson had a great book called a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, and I think that's the call of every pastor is like, find what you're obey, what you're called to do, and then stay in it. Keep moving in that same direction over a long period of time. And you have no clue what you're accomplishing. You may not see it, but you may not see it right now, but you will eventually see the fruit of it, even maybe on the other side of the space-time continuum, but you will see it. That's right. And so so in that vein, I okay. will say this. Every time we talk to you, number one, you drop scripture and you drop the gospel. That's why we love to be around you and love to talk to you. And every book that you have drives people right back to it. But what I'm amazed is because of your focus and because of your calling, God really has used you in, in our lives and the lives of so many people to, I guess, reveal things that are always right there, but we don't see them. And, and this book that we're talking about is absolutely one of those things. It's about fathers and, and how we are to really find our calling through that whole deal. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So as I've been working with a lot of counseling and coaching, and as I'm looking at the general zeitgeist of the world around us, um, I think it's all one big daddy issue. (laughs) Now, when I say that, everyone's like, oh, I don't like the sound of that. But, you know, everything, one of the most important things about you, Tozer said, is, is what you think of when you think of God. 
And so many times we project our image of our earthly father onto our heavenly father, and we get some really bad perspectives. And it comes out, it influences us in the way that we end up parenting our kids. And it influences us when, we, when we're vowing to be, I never am going to become my father. And then you see yourself doing that thing your dad did, and you're like, oh, snap, it's happening. Lord, help me. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You see how you're like yelling at your kid or the way you're responding to a situation. We all have this tendency, repetition, compulsion, they call it in psychology in my world, but you also see in, in Exodus, God says, you know, we've, he visits this really uncomfortable thing, God says. You don't put it on a Hallmark card. He visits the sins of his fathers onto the third, fourth generation. You're like, don't see that on any Father's Day cards. But it, it's, it's like one of the powerful things that God says. So there's this, this, this idea that in, in ancient mythology, and, and also we see it really, and I think it's based off of a truth, a fundamental truth we see in the world, that before a man can become all he's supposed to be and achieve all God has called to them to be, they have to kind of return into the darkness and rescue their father from the abyss. So you see Luke Skywalker, you know, like in modern stories, he has to go back and save Darth Vader uh, from the dark side. I know there's so good in him. And everybody's like, you're insane. The guy's like dark. He's like, no. I say, so he saves him. There's this element of redemption. You see in the new, new Star Wars, Jenna Erso has to go clear her father's name. Um, you see Pinocchio has to rescue his father from the belly of the whale before he can become a real boy. And there's this idea that like, you have to at some point rescue your father for you to achieve your destiny. And I don't think that's something, you know, any, any truth that's out there is built on God's truth. You don't get, a, you don't get truth apart from God. And, and if you look at the story of Jesus, you see that he rescued his entire lineage. It talks in Romans how through one man's sin, it, sin entered the world. And through one man, we were delivered from the power of that sin. Part of the reason Jesus had to become, and I'm no theologian, but part of the reason he had to become fully man and fully God was to breach that gap. And so he came and he literally rescued our entire family lineage. He rescued our father, Adam. And now he calls us in Second Corinthians and says, now we are Christ's ministers of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors saying, be reconciled to God now. So you can't save anybody. But what you can do is become a reconciler. You can become a minister of that reconciliation. Say, hey, uh, we're free from the power of that sin. So free your father is the basic concept is this. You free your father from the impossible expectations you had of him that he could never be. Hmm. Um, God, you know, in Psalms, it says he, he knows our, he, he remembers our, he knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. We are, but dust. Right. And I heard a kid say, mom, what's, but dust. No, it's, it's what we are, but dust. Right. But <laughs> we are, but dust. And so Big you have to remember that's making the show quotes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember your father was but dust be like god and remember hey he had his flaws and one of the first things i think you have to do and i mentioned this in the book is you got to cover your father's shame you see in the story of noah noah basically saves his family but then he hits the bottle a little too hard comes drunk passed out in his tent naked uh and i've actually talked to a lot of kids that saw that of their father right um he's passed out in his tent naked and one of his sons mocks him the other two they say we're not going to mock him. They take a, a, a cloth and they come and cover him. And you see so much symbology in the Bible of, of if you look at uh, Jacob getting the father's blessing by covering himself with the skin. And there's this element of grace that it's a picture of grace that we're covered by the blood of the lamb. We're covered by the, the skin of a dead lamb that gets the blessing to Jacob. It's really symbolic, but there's a lot of deep truth to it. And you see that, so we were called like in the story of Noah to like, you, you don't ignore the, the fact that your father's naked in the tent. Like we all get to a point where we're like, whoa, dad really like, he wasn't all he should have been. And some of us see it early on, 
you know, but some of us, we realize when we get out of our parents' house, we're like, man, dad, really, <laughs> he didn't have that one right. right? You, when, you have, when you have something to compare it to. And so, but you choose to cover that. And that's where it says, honor your father and mother that you may live long upon the earth. I think one of the challenges we have, and I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna go, man, I'm gonna go political, all right? One of the challenges we have in our woke world is it's a world that refuses to cover the shame of those who came before us. Mm -hmm. And when you don't do that, you don't end up living long upon the earth because you end up moving ancient boundary stones, which Solomon says, you don't do that. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your father. And you just go, all those people were wicked, evil people. And so you just start like moving stuff around and society starts to crumble and you don't live long on the earth because what's taken years to be built gets moved and you don't know the reason you're, but, but a reason is you haven't chosen to forgive. And that's where in Hebrews, so the apostle Paul says, don't, don't allow a root of bitterness to spring up, lest it defile you and everyone around you. And you see so many people marching in the streets today. And I think it's one big daddy issue. We're angry at injustice. And really what it is, they're angry at their dad. Mm. Um, and they haven't dealt with their daddy issues. And the real big problem is a lot of us project our image of our first godlike figures in our life, which tend to be our parents onto our heavenly father, yep. but our heavenly father, our earthly father is not our heavenly father. He is a perfect loving God. And so first thing you cover their shame, then you honor them for who they were, where you came from for good and bad. Then the second is you look at the story of Abraham. He should have grown up in Canaan. Uh, his father, Terah, set out for Canaan, but he stopped short in Haran. Everybody's like, well, why did he stop short? Well, there's some conjecture. Some believe it was maybe a grief over having lost a son named Haran. So he gets to a place called Haran. He's like, oh, we don't know why he stopped short, but he stopped short. And Abraham had to complete the journey when he was in his 70s or 80s, I think it was. But the cool thing is, by completing that father's journey, he got the blessing. And it says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And you see, he actually, if, if you read actually the story of, I think it was Stephen in Acts, Stephen talks about how Abraham was actually called early on um, from Mesopotamia, but he had to live under his father's rule until his father passed on. And I think a lot of that is, you know, a giant oak never grows in the shadow of another giant oak. And for some of us, you're, you needed to be separated from your father for you to become all you could be. And you say, well, my father, um, my father abandoned me and I didn't even have a father. And there's all sorts of psychological studies that have shown that there's actually, and then this is where I think God's so amazing. It says, I will become a father to the fatherless. But there's all sorts of psychological studies that show the people that do really prominent things in the world lost their parent early on. And you see, and, and a psychology, the psychology of it is, well, it creates defense mechanisms in them that the world's not safe. So they become very defensive, but they also, many of them rise to great heights. And I believe that's because of the blessing of the God, the Lord, just his grace poured out saying, I'll become a father to the fatherless. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people reading the book will be like, well, I didn't have a father. Hey, you're in a really good position. Um, I'm sorry that that happened. It's really sad, but man, you've got the king of the universe as your father. So mm -hmm. recognize that. And there wasn't a lack. You had the fullness available to you. So you complete the work, you get the blessing. And then you see the next in the story of Joseph, um, Joseph, the next is you pass on the blessing. Uh, Joseph, if you look at him, he didn't get any tribes named after him. Bummer, right? He got two tribes named after him in the name of his children. Jacob calls him right as he's about to pass on. It, Jacob now named uh, Israel, right? So the 12 tribes of Israel are the sons of Jacob, but you notice Joseph's not in there. Um, but he gets Ephraim and Manasseh, who are the sons, and he says, I'm going to take your two kids, and they're going to be mine. They're going to be like, it says they're going to be like Reuben and Simeon. They're going to have the same inheritance. And I think a lot of times we become, my father was this for our family. Uh, at some point, you, you have to be the one that breaks the cycle, and you become the sacrificial generation that sets your family on the course to all that it could be. 
and you get to reap the blessing in your children. Now, this is really tricky because in that story, a lot. I'm, I know we're going to some. I'm, I'm blowing through a lot of deep stuff here, but <laughs> you're staying in your lane. That's totally I'm trying to it. stay in my lane, whatever my lane is. So, uh, he, you know, Jacob goes to bless them and he crosses his hands and Joseph and Joseph's like, no, 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 no. This is the oldest. This is the youngest. And Jacob's like, nope, this is how it's going to roll. This is how the blessing is going to look. And I think that's a message to us. A lot of times as fathers, because of what we lacked growing up, we have a certain idea for our own kids and we end up projecting onto them what we think they should be, but you don't get to decide what the blessing looks like in your kids. You only get to nurture it. And so I see a lot of dads, they're, you know, forcing their kid to become a football player. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. Your kid's never going to be a professional football player. He's an artist. You need to lean into that. And well, it's awkward and uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with an artist. Well, you need to deal with it. And I think a lot of the issues we have with daddy issues today is a father trying to force a child to be something they weren't. Maybe Mm -hmm. you have a child that's a little bit more on, you know, on the feminine side, and you go, man, I want them to be a little bit more tough and gruff and manly. Well, nurture what God has put in them. Um, and, and when you don't nurture it, they end up running the other way, right? So you don't get to decide what the blessing looks like in your kids. You only get to nurture it. And then the final idea is this, uh, that you end up reflecting your father. Um, we become reflectors of what we're looking at. And so if you were looking at all the time about what you lacked from your father, the security you lacked from your father, the sense of connection, the sense of empowerment or autonomy, you end up projecting that on the world and it can have an impact. So that's where you look at Christ who he said, I only do what I see the father doing, which is literally impossible for us, but it's the goal to shoot for, right? I wish I could say, I only do what I see the father doing, but I freak out and I end up doing what I think I need to do. And so the goal is always to reflect your heavenly father, not your earthly father. And if you're looking at what your earthly father wasn't just like a mirror, you're going to end up reflecting that on the world. But if you're looking at what Mm. your father is, you end up reflecting that on the world. That's the basic concept. Um, it's called free your father. I'm going to have a U version devotional out about it first in uh, either May or June it'll launch. And then the book will come out after that. That is so good. Free your father. Yeah, yeah. We will, uh, we will post some links in our show notes. So how to get in touch with you and uh, keep up with what's going on with the new, that new book and other new books coming out. Um, but what you said today, I think is a very, challenging thing for us to think about because it it takes stepping back and evaluating and assessing who we are and where we are and where we're headed especially as a father and as parents um just real quick i mean just like if you had like a minute or two to encourage somebody who might be a father right now and they don't want to pass on anything to their kids that would you know discourage them or or inhibit them from being able to look to the father and being, how could you encourage somebody from like, just right now, I want to, I want to do what I need to do right now to lead my family. Well, especially my kids and and be a good father for them. Well, I want to talk specifically to leaders and specifically to church leaders, because as church leaders, I think a lot of the time we feel that we need to learn more, but half of the Christian walk is learning more. And the other half is unlearning the wrong stuff. Mm, And I see so many Christian leaders that we're, uh, we're adding knowledge upon knowledge. And unfortunately, much knowledge puffeth up, as the King James says. <laughs> and you end up becoming arrogant and proud in your knowledge. But what you re- don't realize is you also have a base of, of not truth that has to be removed. And so one of the things you have to do, I, I think of the story of, of Josiah. It's a crazy story in, in the book of King Jos- in, in the book of uh, First Kings, King Josiah. It looks, you look at his family lineage and he's like, and then his father did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any king before him. And then he's like, and 
Oh, and by the way, his grandfather before him did more evil in the sight of the Lord than anybody that had come before him. The dude had some baggage. Yep. He has this revelation and he goes, we got to get things back to where they are. So he does this crazy thing. He goes and digs up the bones of the old priests and burns them. You're like, dude, that was somebody's grandpa. Like, Talk about animosity, <laughs> but there's this, I think it, it speaks about this vehemence that you have to have of, I'm going to unlearn everything that I need to unlearn. I'm not going to, now I'm not going to move an ancient boundary stone in the process. I'm going to recognize there were some good things in my father, right? And so you take the good thing, you eat the fish, spit out the bones, the classic Sunday school thing, right? You eat the fish, you spit out the bones. What were the good elements of my father? And you carry those on, but you also recognize the things you need to unlearn. And so much of what we, we take for granted as normal, a simple example is Robert Kiyosaki. Here we are jumping from Robert Kiyosaki to, um, but Robert Kiyosaki talks about the idea that like rich dad, poor dad, the book is like, there's stuff you learn from your father that you didn't even realize you learned about money just because you hung out and saw how he did things. And there's all sorts of stuff you learned that you've taken for granted that that's the way it is, but it's not. There are entire worlds and realms in God's economy you don't even realize exist. There's a level of freedom you can't even imagine is possible. And until you tap into that and you unlearn you recognize the biases, the cognitive biases, the spiritual biases that you've had. Until you unlearn that, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you pile upon what you've already got. you got to unlearn the wrong stuff. This is why Paul says we don't conform to the pattern of this world, the things we've been taught, the things that have been instilled in us by nurture or by nature. We, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And renewing of your mind is not just adding more knowledge up here getting one more degree, getting a PhD, a second PhD, a fourth PhD. It's also, what am I unlearning that is inhibiting me from walking in the fullness of this reconciliation that God has poured out on us? Mm. Mm. That is so good, man. So, uh, we, I mean, we're going to have to schedule. We're going to schedule another interview. We got we to gotta continue this for sure. But man, Joel, I just want to thank you for being faithful to, to your calling. And to providing, I feel like, and, and maybe maybe somebody said this to you before, but I feel like you take some deep truths and wisdoms from God's word and you explain it in a way that's very practical and easy to understand. Not necessarily easy to apply because these things are difficult, but I think um, I think that's what God has given you. And so thank you, man. Thank you for spending some time with us, sharing some of this and and it's got me thinking for sure. And it's got me, um, it's got me wanting to not only be a better father, it's got, it's got me wanting to relate to my father, my heavenly father, um, in a better way. And so that that's, I, we couldn't ask for more than that. So, man, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And one thing you said, Joel, after losing my father, uh, God being a father to the fatherless, that is a very, encouraging thing to be reminded of so thank you for for just that little nugget that encouraged me today you right. bet man thanks for letting me ramble hey man it was so good so hey leaders stay in your lane and uh and and learn from um scripture and especially uh how we can relate to god in terms of freeing our fathers so uh, i know that today's conversation leaders has encouraged you uh, and equipped you to be disciples that make disciples. And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. 
Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.